Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Access Podcast, the podcast about podcasts. And today, Z, it's all about sound. Ooh. Sound. 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 Sound design. It's fascinating. Good sounding podcasts are super important. And if somebody who knows this well is Dallas Taylor, host of 20,000 Hertz. He's coming up in a second. Let's check out some of his good sounds right now. You're listening to 20,000 Hertz, the stories behind the world's most recognizable and interesting sounds. Hosted by Dallas Taylor, this is the story behind the emergency alert system. So that wasn't a real emergency, but that distinctive dissonant tone got your attention, didn't it? And for good reason. That sound has accompanied weather alerts and other important warnings here in the U.S. For so, Dallas, welcome to the show. I, I want to just say how you came about being on the show is such a podcasty way of coming about being on the show. Um, I want to go over this real quick. Are, are you aware exactly of how, how all this happened for, for me to get in touch with you? Not at all, so that I'm looking forward to hearing this. So, I went to West Virginia University. A guy named Scott Simons went to West Virginia University with me. Now, Scott is the, he does, uh, he's one of the guys in the band for America's Got Talent. He's the musical director for the new Steve Harvey show. Um, but he also is the singer, songwriter of the Paw Patrol theme song. That's right. So, yeah, this, we did this, we went back and forth on Twitter on this, and I was blown away because I have a five year old and a two year old. And so we know that very well. I've even been to Paw Patrol Live. So, and I can sing every word in the entire Paw Patrol uh, theme song, which I will not do. I know nothing about it. All I know is that we were we were at the NCAA games in San Diego, and you know he knows that I'm the podcasting guy, and he's like, listen, I just was listening to a podcast about the EAS system, and being a radio nerd, I was like, I, I got to hear that. And he, 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 so he texted me your show. This weekend, I listened to it and then went nuts for it. Went nuts for it. Love it. Oh, Love you. it to death and, like, binged a whole bunch of them. Uh, and then immediately got a hold of uh, Chris Peterson at iHeart and said, we got to – can you help me track him down? Let's let's get him on the show. So uh, I'm real excited to have you on because I just – I absolutely am a, I'm a huge fan of 20,000 Hertz. It's such a good podcast. Well, thank you. This is This is quite the, like, shot to the ego, so I really appreciate it. I can just have you follow me around um, if I can afford that <laughs> and just tell me how great I am. And I'll tell you, I get, you know, I'm the guy that everybody and their mother texts me, you got to hear this podcast or you got to listen to this. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I'm busy. I got too many podcasts to listen to. But first of all, it was feeling. it was the topic. Uh, and then also when Scott said, you know, Scott's a musician and he said, listen, this thing's about sound design, but but it's not. You just got to check it out. And I was intrigued because I love good sound. And I love podcasts that sound great. And I think that that is, it's vital to the future of podcasting that more podcasts sound as good as yours. If, I mean, if they could, because yours is one of the, I will say it may be the best sounding podcast I've ever listened to. So, oh, thank you. I want to backtrack and talk about your relationship with sound. Um, when okay. did you fall in love with having things come into your ears? Well, uh, we're going to go way back. So, um, I grew up in the Delta of Arkansas, um, very poor area, and uh, I wasn't particularly great in school or anything, um, but 
I eventually found a band and I went in and started playing the trumpet and it really became the only thing I was really good at in my life. Um, I mean, I was okay at like math and science and all that stuff, but really like what got me out, not got me out of trouble and kept me going to school and all that stuff was, was really like playing the trumpet and um, my band teachers and my friends there. And so that really like took me from this very, very poor area to getting like a full scholarship and all this stuff. So it was just one thing that just came really naturally to me, thankfully. And, um, and so it all started being like a trumpet player and then going to school and really like thinking about classical trumpet and jazz trumpet and all that stuff. And then uh, in college, I started to struggle with some really bad performance anxiety. It was a thing where like I loved playing, but I didn't like the idea that my best performance was going to be in a practice room. I really wanted some to do something in this field where like once it, it, it was made, it stayed made and it just went out to the, the world uh, identically every time. So um kind of struggled for a little while, uh, late in college, figuring out how I was going to transition from this thing that I had done for most of my life up until that point. And, uh, and pretty quickly, like there was a, there was a very, very short phase of like recording music, but I didn't particularly love the, uh, atmosphere of that. Um, there's a lot of just like kind of coolest person in the room, room type of politics that go on in that. Uh, not everywhere. What, what do you mean? Not, not everywhere. I, I, I don't think a lot of us understand what that is to to go into a yeah. studio and record music yeah um so i i consider myself like always kind of like a science nerd and like a space nerd and like i mean nerd isn't the right word so i guess what i mean is like whenever going into the recording studio like music is such a personal uh, expression of of like emotion that that's like deep and important um but it also on the other hand just um can really uh, express Load into just a, like really um, non uh, pragmatic type of like thinking, and and it's more so just like living. I I think that's a really weird way of saying just like the culture of the recording studio can sometimes feel like it's a popularity contest and like who's the coolest, and it's not like a like a logical pragmatic type of process. And that's why like whenever I found post audio and sound design for like advertising and TV and things like that. Um, it felt like I found like my science and and like my creative science nerds over there, and so I felt like I really belonged in that um, very analytical thinking and and kind of thinking about physics in a way, but in a creative way. And so um, fell in love with that. Uh, started uh, working in television news. That was my first job into this whole field. And um, what did you do for television news? So I were, uh, my very first job was like an internship running a camera uh, at, an, at, a, at a Texas news station. Um, but that quickly led me out to working uh, at Telemundo out in L.A., which I don't speak Spanish, but running their board uh, for their news stuff. And then um, that kind of led to working at Fox and, uh, and then eventually led to finally getting into post audio at G4, which is an old TV um, or an old uh, t- television network for video games, which was before it's time. Um, and then, uh, landed, then after that, uh, landed a senior sound designer position at the discovery channel and, um, all of their networks, they have like 15 networks. Uh, and then after that started my own company where we work with, uh, all kinds of different networks. So like HBO and Netflix and, um, discovery and national geographic and lots of like advertising brands like Nike and different cars and shoes. What does that mean when you do sound design for these companies? Like, you know, I don't think a lot of yeah. us 
understand what goes into what we hear because with video it's so it's so you know for most people they you know I, I they don't even realize that a lot of the video experience is coming from what they hear as much as what they're seeing yeah well, you'd be surprised. There's actually a lot of people in the industry, too. Um, I send out a lot of connection emails just kind of getting us on there, on people's radar. And uh, just today, got a got a couple of emails of just like, well, I'll forward, forward this on to our music department. Um, so a lot of people naturally think, well, what other sound is there in all of these things other than music? And, um, and I guess uh, I usually will say like, well, what other sounds are there in life? Like if you walk outside, do you have a soundtrack? Or like, you know, if you drive somewhere or if you walk somewhere, uh, all of those things in a picture form uh, gets recreated because it doesn't sound very good just to kind of like put a singular mic out there and just, you know, it's like if you have a, think of an old video camera or something, or even an iPhone camera or something, like you're, you're pointing it at someone and uh, how's that audio sound? It's distant, it's kind of like, it's not very like crisp and clean. It's like that sound versus what like a movie sound is. And on the movie side, every element from the ground up is rebuilt. So you have like, you know, the winds are like tracks of very specific winds and uh, environments. And then you have things like um, Foley, which is all the things you touch with your hands and feet typically. So like if you're walking, um, we're going to record all that stuff uh, separately and we're going to put a microphone like two inches away from when we record it uh, to make sure that it's just crystal clear. And we have we can we can feel out those levels and stuff when we're mixing it. Uh, you also have something called hard effects. So these are things like door slams and explosions and things like that that we can kind of build. And then um, then we have kind of abstract uh, emotional effects. And these are things like whooshes and trailer hits and scrapes and things that make you feel something. Um, so that's what I do most of the time for my day job. So for the past 15, 20 years, it's been rebuilding all of the environments and, uh, and really everything sound related to picture except for music. Yeah, I teach at a university and a lot of, you know, my students are multimedia students and I, and I always tell them, I said a good video is not good if the audio is bad because that is the exactly. number one mistake of video, young videographers and filmmakers is they forget about the sound. And I want to talk about your podcast and how you got into that, but I want to share with you how I've used your podcast um, because your podcast, um, you know, it is all about the sound. And we, you know, my students this week, this is this is how nerdy I got for your podcast. I came into class, they played their assignments, I changed the assignment in the middle of the class of what we were going to do the next week and said, listen, you guys all need to be inspired. So I played them a, a couple things from your show about uh, voice acting, and I played them the EAS uh, piece, and, and, then, and then their assignment this week is to find a good sounding podcast, something that sounds good, and then use that as inspiration to do their podcast this week. Because I don't nice. think that there is, uh, I think that that's what makes these great podcasts stand out right now is the sound. So when were you listening to a podcast and going, boy, that sounds good, or, or were you thinking that doesn't sound good, maybe I should do something? Um, it all definitely, for me, it definitely goes back to Radiolab. Um, that, that was, um, for podcasting and for even sound design in general, that was a real like watershed moment, um, across the board. I mean, we did have big shows like This American Life and other things, but Radiolab really challenged what you could do with sound only, um, and then that really kind of like spawned some other offshoots. And so I consider myself probably, you know, uh, 
great great grandchild of something like the Radio Lab um, experience and something that you know the from Radio Lab it kind of like that's that's kind of how you birthed things that sounded great like Ninety Nine Percent Invisible and even boosted a lot of production value on some of the big shows already. Um, and so that that really is like the starting point of and, it was, and Radio Lab also started around the time whenever I was uh, really in my like starting to get into my prime of a, being a sound designer. And so Jad Abumrad like really like doing these crazy sounds along with this thing like really inspired even what I was doing on the TV and film and advertising side of what I was doing. Um, we would re- I would reference that a lot in the way that like being able to inv- invoke sort of like feelings in the way that you craft sounds and everything. Um, so that's really where it started. And since then, just because I'm in sound, I never really consume anything that doesn't sound great. I just think that that's kind of like a starting point for, um, so you've um, not listened to my podcast at all. (laughs) Well, I just, it's one of those things that's like, um, I think you hit the nail on the head with like the video versus the audio thing. And, um, we, I would encourage people, especially who are in film school and things like that, to be able to tell a story with audio only. Uh, I think that should be a prerequisite um, because the point being is we only have, even though it is, uh, you know, there is a visual element to this, you know, multi-sensory uh, thing, uh, sound is the other element. There's only two human senses that we can put together with most of the visual content out there. And whenever you have 40 people on a set and you have one or two sound people, and then you move that into post-production and you have, you know, 80 people working on it and a, a handful of sound people, it just shows like just the the stress. And I'm not saying that like that. And I know that visuals do take a lot more of just like, you know, equipment and things like that. But that also translates a lot into like the way that people produce things. And they really think of sound as an afterthought. And that that goes for pretty much like advertising and um, film and TV and all that stuff. And really this podcast for me was like a, like a silent protest against that without necessarily saying it. I think there's a lot of undercurrents to what like I'm trying to say that will reveal itself at 50 or 100 episodes rather than kind of at the, the 5 or 10 mark. And I think once, once like it's all revealed, it'll be like, oh my goodness, like this richness of this sense is just cannot be denied and cannot be ignored anymore. So, uh, you know, I'm, I work in branded content as well. And, you know, your podcast, in a sense, is a branded content podcast for what you do. Did you mean it to be that? Because I, don't, I can't think of any other branded content podcast that I've ever listened to that now has advertising on it. So that people are like, I know, you know, it's like, you know, getting paid to do your own advertisement almost. Is it, how did this all yeah. happen? Well, um, so I own a sound design studio called DeFacto Sound, and I and if you listen to earlier episodes, you'll hear it uh, right at the very beginning. It'll say, "From DeFacto Sound, you're listening to Twenty Thousand Hertz." Um, about fifteen episodes ago or so, we dropped that completely. Um, and at the end, if you listen to some of the earlier shows, it would say, um, "You know, this is produced by the team at DeFacto Sound," and then now it says, "This is produced out of the offices of DeFacto Sound." So um, with all that said, uh, it, it was a thing that I did want to highlight what we do at this company because podcasts notoriously don't make very much money. And so my Hail Mary was at least if we kind of put our name on it, maybe the 0.01% of people out there in this audience who might work at an agency or something might start, might send us something that could help pay for this podcast. Um, and that worked actually, um, we don't get any sort of like windfall work from the podcast, but 
but it does. It, it, we have actually gotten some pretty serious jobs just because people were fans of the podcast. But over time, it really took on a life of its own. Like we, um, I don't really think of it as a branded podcast anymore. So um, even though we still keep that first credit, that's more so for the facto sound that is. That's more so for just our team because we work so hard on it, thinking about it and talking about it all the time. But it's its own now. Like the podcast is its own business and its own its own. It has its own like aspirations for what it is uh, that don't involve like what de facto sound is doing. So it is, it, it began as an, like it was, it was began from that group of people thinking about those things. But really I feel like now it's just its own thing. So it, it's kind of, it was like definitely a little bit of a branded podcast at first. And then now I feel like it's just kind of like a, its own thing really. Uh, but it has, it has worked for us a little bit. There is so much to be learned from your podcast. It is a it is a learning experience. And you know, you mentioned Jad Applerom and and I quote Jad probably daily. Uh, he has a little thing on YouTube about sound and how it creates empathy. And a good podcast and a good radio show creates empathy. And I, you know, you do such a good job with the subjects that you talk about, you know, to make me, you know, on, on maybe on the exterior, I'm like, I don't know if that's interesting. And then five minutes in, I want to know everything about it. What have you found to be, you know, the most surprising things you've learned just just hosting this show? Um, interesting. Um, the most surprising thing that I've learned through this is how I suddenly, whenever we put hit publish on an episode, that I can't remember what we've ever done before I hit, hit publish. So every time I think about like prior shows, I'm like, I can't think of a single show we did because there's, there's, you know, 10 ahead of us that I'm always thinking of. Um, I think that what I've learned uh, overall, uh, because I can come out of like the TV film advertising world, is that TV film advertising uh, versus other fields uh, again, really, really underappreciate sound, like pretty extreme. Whenever you look at other fields, whether it be science or math or space or, you know, anything that, that we talk about that's not TV film related, like we find that those people all take it very seriously. And it's an equal partner uh, to that. Even whenever you're talking about video games, um, sound is an equal partner all the time. And so um, what I've learned, at least that kind of gives me a little bit of like hope is that there's a lot, I think there's going to be a renaissance of the way people use sound in visual uh, situations. And the, the film people have got it. Like they're, film sound, especially on the big blockbuster stuff, is, is excellent and they take it really seriously. But everything else doesn't typically. Um, so, um, so yeah, I guess that that's like a big overarching thing is that there's just a lot of work to be done in, in, in the, the media that we create. Um, and, and of course, like, you know, Three fourths of the of the shows that we do have nothing to do with with the industry at all that I work in, um, but that's just something that kind of sticks with me. Is that uh, a lot of people care about sound and they think about it a lot. Um, it just happens. I just happen to work in an industry where they don't particularly do that very often. I um, I, my personal philosophy on um, on the future of, of podcasting and sound is 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 growth because. I've always looked at podcast as an escape. You know, I tell folks that um, as somebody who has had a lot of craziness in my life, my, my escape would always be books. It, you know, I could read a book and get into it and forget about whatever else I was, I was obsessing about. And, and podcasts fill that same gap in the brain, you know, that, that they create this, 
this safe place, this place where you can escape. And, and in a world where we're being inundated on Facebook and, and social media, which is so many different things, and they're also, it's, it seems more aggressive and negative than the last. Uh, that's where I think podcasts can really benefit society. And, and I think, and, and yeah. I say all this to say, Congre- you know, kudos because I do feel you're one of those shows that that fill that gap. I mean, it really. I was excited to do this interview because I was excited to listen to your podcast because it, it is such a good, good, uh, a good thing therapeutically for people. Well, yeah, I'll tune tune you into a little bit of things that I've learned. That's actually it brings up another uh, point that I'd like to make. Um, one, we started this this podcast was published um, six days, six or seven days before the presidential election. So if you can think about the the climate that we were in whenever this podcast launched, um, everyone associated with it cannot couldn't ignore that stuff. However, when we launched the podcast, you'll notice that like nothing is political at all, and it's very much an escape. And um, and I think that you're definitely like tuning in on some of the things that I hope that people will eventually start to notice is that I really wanted it to be a complete escape from just stress in general. Um, there are some things that we talk about that are stress inducing, uh, but the show is really like a lot about mindfulness is something that I've kind of found. We, we've touched on that in a few episodes, but even for me personally, the show has become something that has um, become a little bit more grounding in, in my own reality. I tend to, uh, at least I've heard in the past that like, you know, anxiety is living your mind living too far in the future and depression is your mind living too far in the past. And the real balance is trying, is trying to like land right there in the present, you know, be with my kids, like be uh, with my friends, with my colleagues, like in, be in my work and really devote my whole self to it. And I think that sound and, and revealing the sonic things around us really grounds you to your reality because that's not a past or a future thing. It's a right now and you're experiencing it constantly. Um, so that's been really important to me, even in the tone of the show is like a real grounding and giving people the opportunity to maybe tune in on a sound and maybe they don't know it as know to know it or not, but they've kind of grounded themselves by, by now starting to think about like this next layer of what they're hearing. And so that's something that's become really important to me, at least therapeutically. That's something that I personally needed in my life. And I'm hoping that podcast people, um, need that too. Yeah, I, I man, I'm just I'm just nodding my head the whole time that you're talking. Uh, you, you've made me think about a few different things. Uh, one was the episode about uh, voices sounding like instruments. I've been like I've been yeah. for days going, God, what is my voice? I think it's it's got to be something terrible. It's like a harmonica or something awful. Um, <laughs> but it's fun to think about. And then when you were talking about the stress inducement, and, and I did see stress inducement from one of your podcasts. I played the EAS one from my class, and I had one student in particular, and you, I mean, she got visi- visibly and physically upset by it because of the, the sound and the, the, the yeah. you know, that, that sound really, like, really, I, I mean, I couldn't believe this visceral effect that it had on her, but it was great for the class to see and show them how powerful what they're doing can be. You know that they want to be these, you know, these these podcast producers. This is this is what you can do with with just five minutes of sound. So, and even with that EAS episode, the the whole reason that I wanted to do it, it was something that I was kicking around on the back burner for a while. But I was in a in like a like a auditorium, and there were probably a couple thousand people in the auditorium, and um, everyone's phone started going off with that with that alarm um, in the middle of the auditorium when it was pretty it was relatively quiet, and what 
and like everyone was kind of looking at their phone and my phone hadn't gone off or anything, but I had to like leave to walk out to make sure that, you know, everything was okay. I mean, I'm on the, I'm on the outskirts of Washington DC, so you can see what I mean by that. Um, but it, uh, that is a terror inducing sound, uh, especially if you find yourself in certain locations that could be, you know, consider, I mean, think about what happened with the people in Hawaii, uh, with a straight up missile incoming find shelter with that sound. I mean, that's, that's horrible. And that sound doesn't, you know, it's, it's designed to get your attention and it did just that. And, um, you know, I, I could imagine people actually suffering some, from some long-term stress just because of that. Oh, I, absolutely. And, you know, as a radio nerd, it's one of those things that, you know, growing up, I've worked in radio since I was 16 and having to do those tests every day and, or every week, it, it, it's, you don't even think about where it all comes from. And uh, one of the conversations that it sparked in our class as well was, you know, I'm 44, so I still remember when it was I was a kid, we, we were pretty sure we were going to be nuked by the Soviets at some point. Um, and, and these guys don't have that. And it's so I mean, it's just it's just a, it's just an example yeah. of like the all the conversations that can jump out from talking about this very annoying sound that people take for granted. Exactly. Yeah, it could go so far um, with that conversation and just bring so many memories up if, if it was used in a really serious uh, way. But yeah, that's that's one of the many uh, things that kind of trigger different emotions in your mind. And uh, something that I think a lot about is just like how sounds and experiences can kind of like put yourself in a good or a bad place, uh, depending on how you've heard that or experienced it in the past. Um, for example, we, one of our earliest episodes was about uh, 8-bit sounds, and it was just like deconstructing like even like Mario Brothers sounds and stuff. And I remember just even feeling like I was five again, because that's whenever the Nintendo came out. And um, those those very, very unique feelings uh, that, that, that sound can bring out uh, is, is really special. Before we get into my, my last segment, which is uh, our three killer questions, I, I've got to ask about uh, Roman Mars. I know you have to be a huge fan. And, and you know, I think, uh, you know, you got to do or you were, you were in an episode, uh, if I'm not mistaken. How thrilling is that? Um, what well, was cool because Roman and I have a, have a pretty long history together just as friends. Um, I was a sound designer. He, was, uh, he had started a podcast uh, seven or eight years ago. Uh, I started listening to his podcast like right at the very beginning before he really blew up and um, was uh, was out in San Francisco and said, hey, let's let's grab dinner sometime. I'd love to just, you know, meet. And uh, I'm a sound designer and I do this stuff. And I think he was naturally interested. And then um, I was naturally his, interested in his thing. And we just hung out. And then after that became Facebook friends and just randomly commented on things back and forth for five, six, seven years, like nothing more than that and I was just such a fan of what he was doing and every time he would do a sound show I would just immediately gobble it up and um but over the years um he he very much really started to focus in on that architecture design and and really zone in on that even though they still do some sound episodes here and there and um because of that I felt like there was enough of an opening and and enough of, of like a respectful opening that I could just kind of command all of the sound stories that I'd love to hear them do and um and and with Roman's blessing a little bit because I know that he's flattered that he's kind of inspired a lot of shows uh, like mine. Uh, so with with his blessing a little bit, I was just like, I, I'm gonna take this and just kind of see where it goes, and um, put together some episodes. The first couple episodes took took us probably eight months to make because we didn't know what we were doing, and um, and then I just happened to bump into him at a at a podcasting conference, and he was just talked to, talked about how how great it was, and it was amazing. He's such an encouraging person. 
And um, and a few days later, he said, hey, can I play it on my show? And it was just really organic and kind of eight years in the making in a way. Uh, but he's just such a kind person who really has a heart for growing things, especially things that uh, are highly produced and especially in that very like educational infot- uh, infotainment type of space. And so it felt felt right. And um, it was very thrilling. And even whenever he told me, I think my heart stopped. And then whenever I actually looked at the stats and saw it on his feed, uh, it was it was overwhelming. All right, listen, hey, I always uh, wrap things up with uh, three three questions. I'm a radio guy, okay. so we have our you know little cheesy radio things that we do. Three killer questions. Um, the first question I have for you, Dallas Taylor, if you could listen to a podcast featuring any person living or dead, who would you want to listen to? Ooh, I mean, if I overthought this, I could come up with a lot. But the very first person that came to my mind was Abraham Lincoln. Because one, we don't know what he sounds like. He was right before that time. And, and two is just like, the crux of the history that that influences everything like so much of what he did in that moment uh is we're living in this timeline and uh i would love to just i could just eat up that timeline from his perspective forever yeah and he's and being such a such a a a, uh you know a a wonderful orator you know just to hear his voice and hear his delivery and his cadence that would be fascinating and we forget how how young our country is uh, a lot. Uh, we we take a lot of things for granted, and uh, and I think he lived in a in a moment that really defined if this was going to keep going or not. Yeah. All right. So, what's the one piece of technology in your life that you remember thinking this is changing my life? Ooh. Um. Again, I could overthink this, <laughs> but if I was to stick with something, it's probably that very first iPhone. That really kind of connected me with the world on a on a second by second basis basis, and it harmed a lot too. Whenever I'm talking about mindfulness and things like that, um, but we are living in the very first generation of just ultra hyper connectivity, and um, out of all the time that humans have been roaming the earth, um, now we're living a very unique time, and our and our m- bodies and minds are trying to adapt very very quickly. But so I think that even for me, that was definitely like a big shift between like I'm living in my own little bubble to living in a globe, like global society all the time. And what's the last podcast that you binged? Uh, S-Town, I think it was. Um, the, I would say that the, there's the, the worst thing you could do for your podcast consumption is start a podcast. Because <laughs> even when, on, on all the times that I typically uh, listen to the podcast, whether it be in transit, if I'm in New York and I'm kind of walking around, I listen to podcasts. Um, my, my trip to and from the office is about 20, 25 minutes. Now that has all been filled up with just approving my own podcast. So I've gotten so far behind. And I think S-Town was like right when we started or shortly after. So that was like the last one that I just listened to every single episode of. It's tough. I mean, with my job, I, I listen to, I can't tell you how many podcasts that I have to you know check out for folks during the week. And it's so nice to have a show that you find and that you want to just be excited that you have so many episodes to go back and listen to. And that's how I yeah. feel about your show. I'm, I've just been, I've been looking on the site. I'm like, oh gosh, I can't wait to listen to that one. I got that one planned for when I'm at the park this weekend. Um, so, oh, that's awesome. Thank you so much for doing your show and, 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 and just bringing, you know, bringing that awareness to sound and to quality. Cause I, I think that that, that stri- that the, the quality that you strive to do, um, is, is important. And, uh, I hope other people are inspired by it. I've been inspired by it. So thanks, Alice. Well, thank you. I really appreciate it. 
And now we are joined by my producer, Z. Hi, Z. Hello. How are you? I know you edited this uh, interview. Did you enjoy the really geeky conversation that we had after the interview? I did. You know why? Because it's really cool to hear two people, so you and Dallas, who love sound so much. <laughs> it's nerdy. Just like being so passionate and getting to talk to each other about yeah. how much you love sound. Yeah. You know? I mean, that's what you love about podcasts is that you want it to be as high quality as it can be, and you guys both know that. I think that uh, we might maybe release that as a little separate segment, but but in general, we had a conversation about, um, you know, my belief that uh, the, the ability to create empathy is something that podcasts do well, and that it's it's something that could be good for society. And, th- and then I do feel that way. I do feel that what we do in podcasting uh, in general can be very beneficial for, for people. Yeah, and it totally came through in the whole episode. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Listen! Um, there's a lot of great sounding podcasts out there, and I, I know there's a few that we're going to talk about today. So let's get started on that. What you got for us? All right, my first one is was actually our first episode ever from Mission to Zix. Oh yes, Mission to Zix. Tell yes. people about that. So um, they are a improv comedy storytelling podcast, and it's crazy when you listen to it, and then when you get when you get to talk to them like we did. Just how much work goes into putting all of that together with the sound effects, with the voices each. They invite comedians to do like play a special character each week, and it's so well thought out, and it's just really cool to hear once you hear the whole episode together. Let's hear a little bit. Hi, I'm Jennifer Squirrel. It's nice uh, to meet oh, you. Hi, I'm the holographer at the school here, and it's Hollow Day. Hollow Day! Hello day. Happy Hollow Day! Day. When I say hello, you say day. Yay. Yeah, so they came on our very first show. We had Seth Lind on and Mujan Zolfagari, who plays Vargi. Uh, and their new season is is in production right now, and they've been teasing it on the uh, at Mission to Zix on Twitter. So follow them to find out when the new season comes out. And go back and listen to our very first episode and, and hear how, how it sounded and yeah. how the show's evolved a bit. I think we've come a long way. Come a long way, Z. But it was a good first episode also at the same point. Well, they were great guests. Yeah, they this, were. this show's all about the guests. Nobody nobody ever says, I'm listening to that show just because of Maddie. Nobody. I don't think there's anybody out there. There might be a couple. Thanks if you're the couple people. <laughs> all right. What do you got for number two Second for us? Second one is Radio Lab. Radio Lab. So I've been listening to their- Jad Applebaum. Ooh. I love Jad Applebaum. Yeah, he's I, I mean, I I have an unhealthy love for Jad Apple, uh, Applebaum. Really? I said Apple Bomb. Yeah, Apple Rom. Go ahead. <laughs> um, actually, I've been listening to their latest two episodes. It's part of a trilogy called Border Trilogy. Mm. And the first episode is um, this guy who's an anthropo- anthropolo- anthropologist. Anth- anthropologist? There we go. Wow, Z. I have an accent. Okay, you guys. Uh, we should language say barrier. You're, you're from Sri Lanka. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so some words is, are hard. This is not your first language. It is not. Sorry. What's guys. your first language? What's that? Sinhalese. Sinhalese? Yeah. Oh, wow. It looks like spaghetti, as really? people have told me. <laughs> can, can you talk about our podcast in Sinhalese for a second? No, I need someone to talk to me for me to talk to them back. Um, Z? Uh, no, no, in Sinhalese. Oh, really? <laughs> 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 Just in English. <laughs> All right. Oh, well, there you go. Anyway. Okay. So, um, uh, so what, what is, is that word again? Uh, something about an Anth- anthropologist. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So he, this episode, the first episode out of the three is, um, his name is Jason DeLeon, and he is going across the Soro- Sonoran Desert. Wow, English is hard. Um, and he finds artifacts left by migrants who tried to cross the border, and he tries to piece them all together. Oh, wow. Together, and he found a 
human arm one time. So he was like, Mm. that kind of set him off on this journey. So I just love how they incorporate the narration with the interview. Yeah. You know, it's incredible. Check it out. Let's hear a little taste of that one. So for the next several years, Jason just keeps going back to this stretch of the Sonoran Desert. Ripped clothes, fragments of clothes and bushes. Gathering whatever he could find. Dirty socks. And, you know, like an archaeologist, he would collect this stuff. Bandages. Itemize it. Categorize it. Cocktail dresses. High heel shoes. Try and figure out who it came from. Why it was there. Baby bottles. Hair curlers. Toys. Wrappers. He did this year. Sneakers. Photographs. After a year. Socks. Picking up this. Shoes. Dresses. Picking up that. Backpacks. Bibles. Bottles. And then one day, uh, human arm. He finds an arm. We're all big fans of Radio Lab. Yeah. What else you got? What's the last, last one? Last one is Song Exploder. Yes, no, I'm new to this one. I can't believe I'm new to this. This is one of those that when people talk to me about podcasts, they're like, "Oh, I love Song Exploder." And I'm like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I'll check it out sometime." And a lot of our guests have said that's the last one they binged. Also, yeah, so. it's it's excellent. Yeah, so the one I chose was the Jack Johnson one because. I love Jack Johnson. And um, it's just a really cool, uh, sorry, it's just a really cool podcast because they have the actual artists on to break down the songs mm-hmm. and give the backstory and the stories of how the instruments and the whatever came together to make that song possible. And at the end, they play the song for you. So it's a really cool way. And the host talks at the front and at the back. That's it. Yeah. The rest is the artist. It's great. And, and I'm, I'm so excited I finally got into it. Now I have something else to binge. Yo. Check it out. We're just goofing around, and I think it was time for dinner. And we were like, don't forget the idea. Let's just put it down. Yeah, he sent it to me like uh, a month later. He's like, hey, remember this jam? And I was thinking, ah, oh, it's nice. So when I started making the record, I played it for my friend Robbie that was helping me produce. Robbie Lackritz. And he dug the groove. But the first thing that Robbie said when I played it to him was like, ah, oh, it's cool, but we got to get rid of those 90s drums. Sounds like every 90s hit right there. And I was like, no way. That's like James Brown funky drummer beat. He's like, nah, not at all. He was like, that's more of the Wonderwall beat. And so anyways, I was like, all right, whatever. I was a little offended, but not that much. Um, well, see, those are some very good suggestions this week. You. And I learned something. I learned that in Sri Lanka, they speak single, single, Sinhalese. Sinhalese. Yes. Sinhalese. Shout out to Sri Lanka. And you can only... And Tamil. And Tamil. You, you can only that. speak it if it's spoken to you. Yeah, just because after I moved here, I just English was so predominant, you know, yeah. for me. Will so. you speak it at home still? Sinhalese? Yeah. yeah can, if my mom's mom? mad at me, like, she'll yell at me in Sinhalese. No. You know. Okay. That's usually the only What would time. she yell at you? Give me, give, me, give me something. Give me one little taste of it. Like, not cleaning up my room. Well, let's hear it. I want to hear it in Sinhalese. Oh, no. I, I got to have her. You really can't no, say I really, it. It takes me such a long time to this formulate tw- the words. This is a terrible tease for the listeners. Sorry. Just go YouTube it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> next week, I promise. Yeah, I'll get you guys We'll next have week. some Sinhalese. Actually, in two weeks. Uh, if you're oh. new to the show... Or old to the show, uh, we've set our production schedule now for every two weeks so that we can bring you uh, b- better programs and better guests, including Mr. Greg Broops, who Woo! I'll be talking to on uh, next week. So I'm yes. excited about that. He's a he's a somebody I used to know uh, well and haven't talked to in a few years, so I'm excited to uh, reconnect with him. Should be fun for when I well, quick story. When I first moved to America, Whose Line Is It Anyway was one of the only shows my brother and I watched. Really? And so having him on is really cool. It's yeah. exciting for me. Oh, good. Maybe I'll let you ask him a question. Ooh. Doubt it. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I'm nervous. He's too smart. <laughs> I'm nervous. He's so <laughs> smart. <laughs> 
from the show. Thanks to everybody who was involved. Uh, Casey, I want to thank you. I want to thank Dalton. I want to thank David, who was our engineer, and Katie and Don here at iHeartRadio San Francisco. Chris Peterson, the godfather of podcasting at iHeart. We uh, appreciate all that you do for the show, and especially Z, producer Z, executive producer Z. Woo! Thanks for all you do. Thank you. She does a lot around here. She does a lot of stuff around here. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Remember, go find a podcast, listen to it, and go tell your friends about it. And if you can, listen to it on iHeart. Thanks for listening. Bye.